Welcome to Ahsoka, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the journey between this galaxy and the next. My name is Matt, and joining me in the co-pilot seat is Pete. Hello, Pete. Today, victory is mine. The Ahsoka podcast by Fantastic Geek ignites our lightsabers for part eight, the Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord. Pete, speaking of hopping galaxies, tomorrow we will have our podcast for Lower Decks episode 406 as we enter the second half of uh, that delightful animated season. Been a joy. We've moved the central mystery forward. Mystery abounds, Matt. As the SAG-AFTRA strike stretches on, but they are continuing to meet with the studios, is a strike at this point preventing uh, some sort of Ahsoka Season 2 announcement? You know, I don't know. Literally 90 minutes ago, I would have said yes, of course, Uh, and then... I saw today, Saturday, that Tuesday, ahead of the season finale for Only Murders in the Building, on Tuesday, the new, or I guess it was out, but you know they do that 3 a.m. release thing. Anyhow, they announced the next season, mm-hmm. so then I was like, oh, but the actors are still struck, and that kind of caught my eye, and I was in a bit of a, a media blackout, so I wasn't spoiled on that and other shows, et cetera, et cetera, but I, I don't know, maybe, I mean, I would grant you that like, let me put it this way. With only murders, maybe it's a case where you just have, for your, your core cast, you already have them under contract, and you'll work out the when and the where when the strike is over. Surely that's also the case for anybody who you'd want back to this? Like, you know what I mean? Seeing how this story ended, surely it's not like, I don't know, and I guess if we gotta have a deal with Rosario again, we'll figure it out. Like, surely that stuff is in place? I don't know. I, I would say this. I think it's important to see the only murders finale through the lens of more episodes are coming. But I think that's true of this. They're also both Disney. So I, I I don't know, you know, if the strike is solved today, is there an Ahsoka season two announcement tomorrow? Do they need to wait to get everybody in front of cameras to do the announcement trailer or the, wow, we're back. We're back. I I don't know, but it's weird. We're, we're Pete, we're in this gray space. Uh, We'll talk all about that as we recap and theorize here. But for a show that has gotten its second season, the first for Marvel Studios, uh, Loki season two has premiered. We, of course, will be podcasting that this week only on Marvel Monday, October 9th. Yes, looking forward to just the, 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 the... Fit like an old glove return to the Loki corner of the MCU. Looking forward to discussing, as you said, Pete, episode 201 this Marvel Monday. Reminder to everybody that next weekend is when some dates are shifting to their new spots. Uh, particularly with since we're on the topic of uh, Loki here, moving to Marvel Saturdays next weekend. Not for episode 201, but for episode 202. Hopefully everybody's on the same page there. We will be bringing you our Ahsoka season series wrap this coming friday october 13th so you want to make sure you get your feedback to us before then absolutely and we'll have that you know kind of dedicated 
spot for that on social media uh, in the coming days, certainly. Uh, and Pete, just yesterday, capping off what already was a busy week for TV viewing and had some stuff going around, going on here at the house and so forth, you send me this screenshot that suggests that the next live-action Star Wars adventure may be, maybe, maybe not as close as I hoped, but there may be proof that it's closer than uh, perhaps we might have thought. Yes, there's some pre-registration paperwork, copyright type of paperwork. We've seen this before, and Matt, when we've seen these, they've always come to pass. Uh, so the idea that they just pick some kind of, uh, you know, uh, premiere date out of the ether is is silly. Okay, for Skeleton Crew, we not only have a description in this documentation, um, this of episode 101, but we have uh, an approximate uh, projected date of publication of January of 2024. Which is generally in line with the expectation that Skeleton Crew would be out December of this year. So you want to say... January is actually going to be the last week in December or well, not literally the calendar sense, but you know, you want to say that that projected thing ends up becoming between a Christmas and new year's release for the first episode, or it goes into January, goes towards the end of January, whatever it is. Um, I take heart to that for a variety of reasons, including um, it would be nice if out there in the podcast ether, you know, shows gave us more things to podcast and all that. But beyond that, I'm really excited a, for Skeleton Crew, and B, Pete, just in the last week, I'm really excited to see what's going on in the main Star Wars galaxy and to see how things are unfolding in the Mandalorian portion of the timeline. We have seen this done with Echo as well, and Echo given an exact date of publication for January. This, after it had been previously announced, it would be dropping all at once in November, which is now moved to not a publicly announced date. So it'll be interesting to see how this all comes to pass. But Matt, in light of all of this awful news yesterday, uh, costume designer for Ahsoka, for the Book of Boba Fett, for The Mandalorian, Shauna Tripsik, uh, unexpectedly announced uh, as having passed away. Yeah, someone certainly, uh, you know, of a midlife age um details not out as to cause of death and so forth and i nor am i saying there's any you know great rush uh as you say pete unexpected uh certainly given her age and i think just the general understanding of her health and all of that uh ming na wen had a really lovely lengthy heartfelt uh post thanking uh shauna for care that was taken um, helping Ming-Na Wen's son appear as an extra in Book of Boba Fett, though Ming-Na Wen did note towards the end of the post that she was not naming any of the shows in line with the the strike and so forth. And, which you know, given Shauna's uh, social media would have been in line with her wishes, she was very, very active during the strike. Yeah, and, and I think that... Um, I take nothing away from the fact that Ming-Na Wen did not mention those shows. I mean, she is in the middle of a strike and such things would yeah. have been prevented. The fact that Ming-Na went out of her way to post paragraph after paragraph in praise 
of uh, of this this late woman here and to do so carefully and so forth I, I think just speaks to the quality of Mingna Wen's character and also speaks to the great esteem that she had for the late Shauna Tribsik. The shock here of this, uh, hers was an Instagram account that I followed, that I delighted in, uh, the window into her work, uh, you know, much of it passed recently, you know, she worked on the Spawn movie, she worked on Bugsy and Toys back in the day, Okay, and then uh, she found great success with, uh, you know, these Mandoverse uh, Star Wars shows, not known if uh, she was uh, on Skeleton Crew, gonna gonna hope that she did do the costuming there. But, you know, with her passing, obviously, as that continues, the baton will be passed too. but just terrible, terrible news. The family has set up a GoFundMe page, um, you know, would just caution anybody uh, donating to those always, you know, try to do your diligence in terms of making sure it's it's going to the proper one. Well, Pete, from that sad news, let's turn a bit of a corner here and chart the course into this episode. The Chimera continues to be loaded up over the Night Sisters Fortress, and Morgan Elsbeth informs Thrawn the cargo transfer is complete. He tells Captain Enoch to bring the Eye of Scion out of high orbit so that they may dock with it. Enoch tells him they have a fix on the Jedi shuttle, and Thrawn orders two TIE fighters dispatched to engage. Morgan says there's little the Jedi can do to stop them, but Thrawn has watched other Imperials make assumptions about the Rebellion, admitting he even fell victim to the heroics of a single Jedi, which he says won't happen again. As he acknowledges the beneficial alliance with the Great Mothers, they ask Morgan to come forward to be rewarded with the gift of shadows which she pledges herself to and abandons her old life for. The greatest mother approaches and burns magic into her face, making her eyes glow green and leaving her with black marks on her face, like them as Thrawn looks on, satisfied. The Night Sisters then conjure the blade of Mother Talzin for their new sister, which glows with a similar green flame before a klaxon blares and the ties launch. We head into the title card with this delicious title here. I would assume Pete with a tip of the hat towards uh, C.S. Lewis. We have the Jedi, the witch and the warlord just classic title. So simple, so evocative nonetheless. Uh, We cut to that Jedi shuttle of Ahsoka's flying low and slow over the Noti pods as they make their journey forward. Inside the ship, Ezra is making a new lightsaber, not wanting too narrow a blade emitter. Pete, I understand that this is a joke towards the fans whose fandom was ruined from Rebels having too narrow a blade emitter and hated Rebels, but now they love this show because it is evocative of Rebels. 
but does this now bring balance to the force that we are rejecting too narrow a blade emitter as seen in the stories that precipitated this story it it's a it's a nice poke there ezra uh and hu yang disagree over the construction here but ezra doesn't have time for the lesson as he recaps ahsoka wants them to go after thrawn as soon as they're ready yang says building a lightsaber is not something they can rush as ezra rifles through his disorganized drawers Yang asks who taught him to build one anyway and sabine is suddenly there to say kanan jarris ezra recaps he was his master and Hu yang taught kanan at the jedi temple when he was a clever very curious little shy caleb doom all of this makes sense now to yang the relationship between master apprentice the skills taught from kanan to ezra and so forth uh this notion of master and apprentice also echoing that of sabine and ahsoka's connection uh hey says hu yang here is a second copy of kanan's emitter kept in reserve should kanan ever want one the symbolism here of course the the not the literal blade but the 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 echo of kanan's blade now passed down to his apprentice uh and he uh fires up his lightsaber it's looking good uh, hu yang i mean my goodness we i don't know that we've spent enough time talking about how david tennant's voice work here in this episode and all these episodes is par excellence and is breathing so much life into the character um but there's such pride in like the boy has become a man. He really has made a lightsaber, and I'm the lightsaber-making guy. You know, just there's all this pride here in the moment. Uh, speaking of making lightsabers, has Ahsoka taught Sabine to make? But no, Sabine is gone. Uh, there's some reflection between Hu Yang and Ezra about Sabine's loss of her family and her world, uh, and how her training had been paused as Ahsoka felt it would make Sabine dangerous through the lens of wanting revenge, etc., Yes, Mandalore purged at the end of the war, closest we've ever gotten any kind of timeline. Which war clone? Uh, could it have been? Uh, I mean, it, it is by implication the uh, Galactic Civil War, you know, this of uh, the original trilogy by its implication. But it's unclear as to when that happened. Okay, the entire surface of the planet, killing hundreds of thousands, including Sabine's entire family, and the notion that she could have become dangerous. Um, this bittersweet uh, notion here: Hey, Ezra just made a lightsaber, but uh, you know Sabine has a master. Exiting the ship onto the wing, where Ahsoka is sitting on top of the fin there. Uh, telling Sabine she must be pleased, um, but Sabine admits she's more relieved than anything else. Ahsoka tells her the gamble paid off um, this going willingly with the enemy, and uh, Ahsoka slides down, and Sabine admits she never thought she'd see Ezra again, which Ahsoka admits they may never had uh, if Sabine had chosen differently. 
and even though she apologizes, Ahsoka is not mad as she's made her share of difficult choices over the years. Often no one understood her reasons except Anakin, who always stood by her, except when he didn't stand by her, not walking out of the Jedi Temple as she walked out of the Jedi Temple. Details, Pete, details. <laughs> the takeaway here, whatever happens next, Ahsoka will be there for Sabine. Now, if you're feeling like, boy, this has been two or three scenes back to back where people just sit around and talk about their feelings. Look, up in the sky, TIE fighters, they come on in the the iconic roar, the firing of blasters and so forth. The Jedi shuttle is hit hard with stabilizers down. We see it's starting to lose its flotational power in the sky. Ezra hops out, Ahsoka, uh, and Ezra going to underneath the ship to prop it up with the Force. Sabine headed to the cockpit, fiddling with things at the rear of the cockpit. Back in the seat she goes, all to get what we are told is just a mirror short burst with the engines. Uh, that, of course, is all she needs. She waits, she waits, she gives the burst, blasts the ship, its wide wings slice, slicing through both TIE fighters, which then crash. Uh, it then also results in the Jedi shuttle kind of crashing over the next ridge. Uh, no one killed here. Uh, the, the worry from Ezra and uh, Sabine that they're now going to be behind in their timeline. Uh, and uh, Ahsoka gives a very Jedi response. Uh, they'll only be behind if they let it. Enoch tells Thrawn about the ties, which he calls acceptable, and orders the fighter captain Mark for citation. He has Enoch show him the shuttle's location and tells him to prepare for a ground assault immediately. Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra share two howlers as Huyang and the Nodi work on the shuttle, and Morgan tells the night troopers the blessing of the Great Mother should protect them in battle against the Jedi. She orders them to go and let none pass. Thrawn asks as they leave if the volunteers were made aware, aware of what, we're not told, which she says all were honored to make the sacrifice for him. He corrects her that it's for the Empire, as well as the security of the galaxy. Now, Pete, I saw on social media some man boys gnashing their teeth at the notion that on that second howler, it might be Sabine in the lead front position and Ezra behind her. I think their concern was, Pete, that it was not reversed, that it is the person in the front which takes the lead of the howler. Uh, and Pete, clearly a bit of a of a gendered reading there. But you know what? I want to say I support these guys in their view. I don't share it, but I support them having that view. If they would be more comfortable being in the front of the howler and having Sabine behind them her lightsaber strapped on as they move as she moves snugly against their behind if that's what works for them i'm gonna bring a little star trek knowledge here infinite diversity infinite wisdom if they want sabine pressing it behind her lightsaber so snug if that's what works for them i think that's okay ahsoka sabine and ezra reach a vantage point to see the eye is docking with the chimera sabine says they're just in time and ezra says thrawn's taking the ship with him. Ahsoka asks Yang how it's coming. 
and he says he's doing the best he can, although he can't promise anything. She expresses faith that he's kept the ship in the sky longer than she's been alive, but as a nody electrocutes himself, he tells her not to wait for him. We have our trio finally getting into the temple, attacked by the 20 or so night troopers. Um, maybe Pete? Look, I understand these are all, all our actors here working long days, especially if you're spending time in the makeup chair and so forth. I personally would have said, hey, Rosario, can we get can we get some of your uh, return, you know, returning the blaster bolt with your lightsaber? Can we get a little bit more like it's a baseball move? As a, just, I thought maybe there was a little couple of shots or maybe there was a little little lack of oomph there. Again, not a real criticism, but as the troopers, about 20 or so, attack, uh, they are felled largely by uh, lightsabers reflecting the blaster bolts back, sometimes lightsaber attacks. At a certain point, Sabine, who in a great visual moment here is is taking some of the uh, blaster bolts upon her armor. Uh, she's told to switch to blaster fire herself. Uh, but eventually, Pete, they're all knocked down here. They're all they're all killed. And as our heroes move up, you know, the, the three or four steps to the ledge there, that's when the troopers uh, are called back to life by the sisters. Uh, the glowing eyes, the eyes glowing through the helmets is a particularly nice touch. And of course, this now is adding not just story pressure, but, you know, kind of character pressure, uh, causing the Jedi to push deeper into the temple. And Pete, they're going to deploy that great Star Wars design feature of when you break a door control, it automatically closes. It's a Star Wars classic. <laughs> um, Ahsoka asking Ezra if this ever happened before, and he says it's new. Lucky them barks sabine from under her beskar bucket which she uh not so elegantly used at one point to deflect a bolt but it it is you know a feature of the armor there uh but yeah the the old slice uh the door control uh closing uh coming through here ezra complimenting sabine on her moves as uh, she had saved him from uh, the other side there of the one grabbing for Ezra when she couldn't shoot it. Um, and Ahsoka acknowledging she has been training. Uh, what is his excuse? After all, he missed Sabine. But they hear a loud clattering and advance up the stairs. That noise, of course, the eye now physically docking uh, with the wingtips of the Chimera. Morgan Elsbeth telling Thrawn uh, they're ready to depart. And uh, he says the Jedi are advancing uh, swiftly and at that rate may board the ship, which would be, in his words, problematic. They require a little bit more time. And of course, she understands. He says it's for the Empire and she bows before he leaves with the great mothers. She whispers for Dathomir as they go, and she turns. The ascendant Jedi reach her, uh, but Ahsoka's going to fight her one-on-one. -on -one. Not for nothing, Morgan Elizabeth, but you let two-thirds of the Jedi pass you. 
ultimately resulting in one getting on the ship, ultimately resulting in one getting home, ultimately resulting in one taking a shuttle, being able to tell the fleet, being able to advance the story further and so forth. But hey, so I don't know if I'm exactly slamming Morgan Elizabeth, which I think there's 50% of that. Also, I feel like it's a bit of a story. Like, I'll give it to them. This really is the Morgan and Ahsoka showdown. But Pete, she had one job. Make sure no Jedi get on the ship. And one got on, and a second was darn close. Um, had the jump thing that we'll talk about in a bit worked out better. But uh, Pete, maybe that's why she's lower mid-management, and she's the one who's staying behind to make the sacrifice. Meanwhile, the greatest of great mothers are there on the Golden Bridge, smoking their space cigars, saying, off to Dathomir, but not Morgan Elspeth. There's little doubt, Matt that imperial loyalists will build a statue to uh loser morgan elsbeth this is true uh we see though it's not an easy path here for sabine and ezra they're met by death troopers nay zombie death troopers death zombie troopers um death troopers times two because if these are the zombie troopers from the death trooper novel who are now wearing death trooper armor they're death trooper death troopers it's just death everywhere uh we see thrawn entering with that iconic shot pete the one that was shown at celebration a thrawn entering the ring ship bridge and he orders it taken out we go back to that fight between sabine and ezra and death troopers lots of great stunt work here the old pick them up and throw them uh, the knock them down thing at one point and p.s they've also chosen like the two tallest stunt people as part of the star wars stunt family sort of thing sabine lifted up by one she's being choked she needs that saber it's over there she needs the saber she's being choked she uses the force to pull it to her necessity the mother of invention and learning new force skills uh, takes one out with a quick Quick, I want to emphasize, quick blast to the head. Uh, Ezra, similarly downed, he uses the force to pull his lightsaber uh, to him. And quickly, while the camera goes between him and the Death Trooper uh, and us, uh, he beheads the other Death Trooper, also done quite quickly. Pete, I understand that this is like Star Wars, and it's not even necessarily like, you know, as gory as a Marvel type thing. I would have been okay if the Sabine taking out the one guy, if that lightsaber was buzzing through the head for you know one full second i would have been okay to see a death trooper zombie head taken off of the body not hidden by a stone plinth um but i guess pete occasionally star wars is for people younger than you and me or so i've heard the staging of it is particularly effective within the rating that they're going for and when you consider that the Death Trooper armor already has green tinted lenses to have the lightsaber go through the head there, right? It's how you kill a zombie, uh, makes it really fun. And then to have the column get in the way of the decapitation and then to see that there's a singed neck, uh, you know, joined to the head inside the helmet. Uh, yeah, it works. Apart from the fact that now zombies are firmly established through the magic 
in Star Wars, uh, which is all fine. It, it works with everything they've established from Clone Wars to Rebels to now. We see Ezra and Sabine finally making it to the top of the temple there. They also see the Star Destroyer Bay pulling away, as is indeed the Star Destroyer in the ringship. Ezra says he cannot make the jump, but Sabine suggests that he force jump, then she will force push him, then they can just do it in reverse. Uh, he does diddle in the fiddle a little bit to great uh, benefit of the story because we're saying, like, no, just do it for goodness sake. Every single moment that you wait is a moment wasted. Ultimately, he runs and jumps uh, just as he starts to fall from his jump. Sabine blasts him up and he falls short. But wait, Pete, the camera pulls out. He's hanging on to the edge there and so forth. Just just great, great use of tension, great use of, I think somebody's making it on the ship. And you know, all, all of that is defying expectations a bit. Um, but Pete, take us back to Morgan. Yes, this great one-on-one here, uh, acrobatic martial arts inspired fight particularly with the sword and listen donna lee in osanto uh the the niece right of of bruce lee okay That's right, yeah. uh you know she had the fight with rosario dawson the first time we had met both of their characters back in season two of the mandalorian when she wielded the spear they really lean into her martial arts background with this weapon it's so much fun to watch, but, you know, uh, with Ezra having yelled to Sabine, hey, there's no time, you got to come back, and her running back to the ledge, Ahsoka being encircled uh, with those columns by the troopers inside of them, okay, uh, Morgan hacking her smaller saber in half uh, before watching the Chimera head out. And she taunts Ahsoka that her friends are dead and she'll die there alone. But Sabine enters to say she's not alone and ignites her saber and starts fighting. Morgan howls for the troopers to kill her as she re-engages Ahsoka. After much rolling and kicking, Ahsoka works Morgan's sword into the stone and slashes her across her midsection, dropping her. But just in case you're sure it's not a death blow, Matt, let's cut to the color commentator on the Eye of Scion, the greatest mother. (laughs) Indeed, she feels (laughs) the greatest mother might feel a great disturbance in the Force, feeling the loss, saying that Morgan Elspeth is dead, Thrawn okay with that sacrifice. Uh, We cut to Ezra, uh, back in that bay, there's a there, there's a, a stormtrooper body unaccounted for. They they stormtrooper HQ radioing in, uh, and and he's going to drag that body off camera. Hmm. Let's keep that filed away for you know five ten minutes from now. Uh, back to Sabine, she grabs her helmet and she and Ahsoka run to the edge towards the edge of the top of the temple here on the ring ship Thrawn orders that the temple be fired upon but wait pete that's where sabine and ahsoka are they jump uh i'm, I'm assuming pete to their death i stopped watching at this point did they die <laughs> they did not ahsoka had also gotten a, a beep to her gauntlet so you had to know from 
the story sense that something was up, um, you know, heading out off of that ledge as they're chased. The troopers look over, dramatic pause. The shuttle lifts up as the fortress starts to fall here. Ahsoka and Sabine deflecting their final blaster bolts as they enter the shuttle, telling Hu Yang they're in, and the spire collapses behind them as they head into the clouds. Sabine asks Hu Yang if they can catch the Chimera, and he diverts all power to the engines. Shuttle rockets up as Thrawn's ship has cleared the debris field already. The nav droid on the bridge of the Eye of Scion telling Thrawn they're uh, tracking the closing shuttle. And he orders a channel opened to commend Ahsoka Tano. Love the way he's got to say her full name every time. On her efforts, calling her a worthy opponent. Uh, in the cockpit, she asks if they can get more power. She's not going to engage him here. But he goes on to tell her he regrets they've never met face to face and perhaps now they never will. He tells her he knows her, though, because he knew Anakin and concluded her strategies would be similar. He ultimately goes on to taunt her about how similar she and Anakin might ultimately become and that perhaps. Peridia and this galaxy is where a Ronin like her belongs. Today, victory is his. And as he announces, long live the Empire, his ship jumps away, stranding them. The shuttle is washed in the wake as alarms blare, and Ahsoka and Sabine dejectedly watch it streak off through the stars indeed leaving them trapped we cut back to the noti village on wheels uh the jedi shuttle returning great uh great moment there's the noti people celebrate the return of ahsoka and uh sabine in tow little time passes by as they get settled in ahsoka seeing a star wars owl uh and then we cut what's that the morai Pete, give some background here on the Morai. So the Morai was first seen in Clone Wars. This connected with some of the images we're going to see in a moment through the uh, the Mortis arc, uh, that of uh, the father, the son, and the daughter. Uh, the Morai being the uh, the other embodiment of the daughter, uh, whose energy Ahsoka absorbed. We now cut to some story points that, to be honest, first viewing of the episode, I had I, I had lost track of because I was so caught up in the story that we were given. Uh, we see Shin approaching the mercenary camp. She lights her saber, sending what I feel like is an ambiguous signal, um, perhaps one leaning towards... I'm here to take over, perhaps one to say, hey, look, I'm one of those red lightsaber folks, don't shoot me. Um, but I like that there's some ambiguity because this is at a point where I started to say, oh, wait, I don't think that we are wrapping up. Regardless of whether we get a circle return in season two, um, the story continueth. Um, we then 
cut one more time to the late and great Ray Stevenson walking out to the edge of a giant stone statue pointing his character's way forward. He looks on a sad end to our time with Ray Stevenson in Star Wars, but surely a new beginning for the character at some point when things continue. You have to wonder, um, has the fate of this actor influenced what would have happened with the character? We we don't know at this point. Um, So reaching this vantage point, uh, you have to know to look for it, but uh, from what he can see out, there is a peak uh, emanating a column of light off in the distance from where he is. Behind him, the shape of an old man's face carved into that peak where he stands, where he's on an outstretched arm. To that carving's left is a younger male face, to his right is a headless torso and there's a more pronounced gap in between them and balen's face shot in a way probably matt that they did it so that the face carved into the stone is his and altered as i say there's more I, I i am sure that there is more coming how that gets expressed I, I don't know i would i would venture to guess there's more coming in live action from the character at some point certainly one can only hope uh continuing with the story here at Daphimir, we see the ring ship with star destroyer uh arriving we say thrawn told definitively we have arrived at Daphimir. uh we get Another shot, end of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark style with all those mystery boxes in tow. Uh, at the fleet, at the good guy fleet, uh, an old Imperial style shuttle has been cleared to land, has been escorted in. Uh, in the, the landing bay, Hera, Chopper, and security forces are all there to see who will step off this time. We see it's a lone stormtrooper. Uh, but Pete, you can't do much better in fiction. This is, this is something that was even used in the first Transformers movie. Steven Spielberg said to, uh, Michael Bay, it's a movie about a boy and his dog. Don't lose sight of that. And what do we have here in this moment? It's Chopper who runs out to the, the covered up stormtrooper because it's a boy and his dog, Pete. It's Chopper who recognizes the helmeted Ezra, that helmet coming off saying hello to Hera and saying that he's home. Yeah, sniffing him out here. It's a great moment. And Ezra got his night trooper helmet here, uh, but doesn't have Sabine around to decorate it for him um, because she's on Peridia where she's helping the Nodi as she notices Ahsoka looking into the planet's ring at dusk. She joins her and tells her that they're almost packed. Ahsoka tells Sabine she did well, but Sabine asks if it's true since Thrawn got away. But Ahsoka reminds her that thanks to her, Ezra returned home. Sabine hopes that's the case, but Ahsoka tells her he did, and he's where he needs to be 
and so are they among the Nodi. Ahsoka tells her it's time to move on and heads back toward the caravan. Sabine looks towards the sky and Ahsoka asks what she sees. Sabine says she felt something but disregards it as shadows in the starlight. Ahsoka looks out for a beat before turning back as the music swells to join her apprentice. As the camera pulls out in this beautifully bittersweet end, the glowing ghost of Anakin Skywalker looks down in satisfaction. Time to peer into the force for some theories. Pete, let's start with that last shot there. I would agree that on Anakin's face there is pride. I I I feel like there's a there's a literal way to look at those final moments, and then there's a there's a more emotional way. And I, I'm not even saying there's a correct answer here. Certainly, Ahsoka sees something. Perhaps they're having a communal conversation. Perhaps not. It's it's best the way it is. We don't need mm-hmm. to hear the words, but the, you know the way she nods. Um, perhaps they're concluding a discussion. Same thing there. The look on Anakin's face. Is there some sorrow in his face? Sorrow at her predicament. Sorrow that he was he the real true Anakin was not there for her the way he should have been in the past. It's just it's such a wonderful moment of all of these options, and all the options are are right. All the options can be chosen from by the audience it's just a lovely really lovely ending dullards across the internet have concluded that this has destroyed star wars yet again in that anakin appears to his female apprentice uh but not to his male son who needs him just as much and to that i say you don't know that Anakin uh, hasn't been around Luke Skywalker just because we haven't seen it past, of course, what we saw at the end of the Battle of Endor. Also, uh, what is particularly effective here is the idea, did they see it? Didn't they see it? Do they know what they saw? Oh, I got a feeling. That's it. It's fine. It's a coda, okay? And... It also opens up the idea that there could be more down the road. I mean, my gosh, Matt, the way that the character of Anakin, I hate Sand Skywalker, has been redeemed. Okay. Uh, I, I wish that I could just wish away these critics. And as we uh, poked a bit of fun, or maybe they were asking for the poking, I don't know, but as as we discussed during the recap, some of these guys really taking offense that Sabine rode the howler in front of Ezra and, you know, all things of that sort. It can't be both that, you know, Ezra and all masculinity has been struck down by how one rides a howler. That can't be true also in an episode where Ezra gets everything he wants and Ezra gets home at the sacrifice of two people. Um, and I don't see, you know, I mean, I mean, this arc has been a huge win for Ezra. Now, do I think there's more story after this? Absolutely. Do I think that we're at, at the right time will we get the announcement of Ahsoka season two or, you know, all Ezra the things. Ezra season one. Ezra season one. You know, all of these things are options. 
for as much as I was, for as much as we discussed on the podcast, what are our options in the finale? Do we get Ahsoka returns in season two? Do we get, you know, what is this? Some kind of skeleton crew? Do we get Mando saying, oh, I heard Thrawn is back. And then when we got none of those, first of all, I was just between Ezra's dog running out to say, it is my master. Wag your, you know, chopper tail metaphorically. And then just this, this wonderful coda here and just Hayden Christensen going straight for the, the, you know, breaking the hearts of the audience with that look on his face. I didn't need how it will continue although i was kind of reminded as the credits were playing and as it officially went to the like you might like to ultra also watch this we're going to minimize the credits because now there's nothing important left i kind of was reminded oh wait it's star wars it always continues i know i like to make fun of the c-3po red armification of sometimes in star wars they do stuff just to make the secondary thing but hello it's live action star wars of course there's more whether there's a plan or not, or an announcement or not, of course there's room for more. We should. We don't need to be told, you know, Ahsoka will return in season two. It's Star Wars. It, it, it moves backward and forward always. It does. And I particularly enjoy the poetic, the, the rhyming nature of this season. What do we do? We flip it around. Okay? Ezra gets back. Ahsoka and Sabine are now stranded. Thrawn is back. Um, Obviously, Ahsoka and Sabine will not stay there forever. We will pick up all storylines, at least from these main characters. I would imagine with Shin, the the Balin stuff, I, I think, obviously, you know, Ray Stevenson being a person a family member to them. And and now unfortunately just compounded with the loss of Shauna Trebsik, um, how they proceed here, but there's a pathway given that they've opened up in live action. I mean, I'll be the first one to tell you, I am not a fan of those Mortis episodes. They really come off as kind of fan fictiony and over the top. Um, I've never really liked that inclusion. All right, now you've opened it up on the live action end and that you had the Night Sisters there and then there's apparently been some establishment of the the Mortis trio of the father, the son and the daughter. Uh the daughter's statue mountain having collapsed, okay? Ahsoka being there with the energy of the daughter in her. Okay. Also, interestingly, that you've got her apprentice in Sabine, that she could use some time to train her more in the ways of the Force now that that's finally manifested for her, which is no small thing either. Uh, that after years and years of, of effort, the, the Chekhov's, uh, you know, force here, I, I love that. Ahsoka tells her to put her arm out as they're rushing the gate, also putting her arm out and Ezra and, you know, oh, wait, did she help to move it? We don't know. And then calling for the lightsaber when she's being choked out by the the double jet trooper and ultimately having it, you know, affirmed there. Okay, to down the road, 
where Finn will start to feel the force. Um, and the way that this is now canonically been opened up, but was always there all along that the force resides in all living things there too, all living things can it through, uh, the nature of trying and everything else learn to use it. And God knows Sabine Wren is a talented through art, through warfare person. This is not what people would pejoratively label uh, a Mary Sue. She has attempted to do with Ray, which is also wrong. Okay. She has put the time and the effort into it. This was not, and then she, you know, uh, manifested the force. She's been working at this for some time. And what happened at a, at a moment where she was going to die, okay, that might have been the greatest danger she's ever been in. She's finally able to tap into it. And now Ahsoka has this time where they're there. They're going to work on that. And that's going to be part of their story going forward. And the way this episode concludes the whole season arc it feel it, it, first of all it is character focused and it is based on those character relationships the more i thought in these last several days about how emotionally i was not yearning for the post credit scene the post credit you know ahsoka will return in um how i, I how that 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 wish had gone away I think part of it is because this ending, though it does end well, end up with nominally our two top heroes of the thing trapped all the way over there and, and separated and kind of, it's definitely not, a, it does not conclude at a resting point, but it concludes at a resolution point for this story. And I didn't want, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would have taken more. I would have taken, you know, what, what we've continued to joke as, you know, the Jude Law in a bar scene saying, you know, what is this, some kind of skeleton crew? I would have taken it, but here's the downside to the Marvel style mid credits, mid credits, post credit scene is then in a certain degree, it becomes all about that. You know, what are the two best, perhaps, what are the two best beats from Ant Man and the Wasp? It's when you finally get the question that you wondered the entire time answered, which is, where are they in the timeline? And some of our goodies just got dusted away, and Ant Man now is out there for the next movie. And then in the, you know, in the in, in the the post credit scene, okay, it's the ant playing the drums. But then we get Ant Man and the Wasp will return. Period. Ant Man and the Wasp will return? Question mark. And everyone goes, oh, you didn't even give us that. I can't wait till the next movie. Like the best part of that movie might be getting you excited for not this movie versus this episode of Ahsoka gets everyone to a point of uh, of a resolution despite the fact that we know that there is going to be a slow brewing uh first order movement for the next 20 years of story and despite the fact that my goodness as we've said before we're in uncharted territory and who knows what what thrawn will rot in the next episode of mandoverse television and, and all of that we're all excited for it but in a certain sense we're not excited for it on tuesday night on tuesday night we are relieved to have reached a resolution at this season of television. 
yeah, everything was tied up, but we know there's more story to come and we're okay. No Ahsoka season two versus, well, we know there's a fourth season of Mandalorian. We know there's skeleton crew. There will be probably other shows that join this. We know that Filoni has a movie ultimately bringing all of this together, but now Thrawn is, is back. Um, some questions on him and then you fully evaluate the, the nature of what the great mothers have done with the night troopers, which we thought were dead all along already. And now they're reanimated. There were volunteers. So evidently they weren't dead. They had chosen if they died that they could be reanimated. Um, so, you know, initially you're like, all right, Thrawn is the only survivor of the ship. What's up with the armor? It doesn't need to be explained, but it it might help. And then when you consider the cargo, we still don't know what it is. Is it more death troopers, uh, night troopers? Is it their bodies? Is it more night sisters? I saw somebody speculate today that it's the Sith cultists that ultimately populate Exegol and bring the Emperor back. Um, I think it's best left here as the mystery box that we took it. You don't know what's in it. You think you might know what's in it. And we've brought it to Dathomir. Uh, and we're going to leave you there for right now. Unless it's a skeleton crew, Matt. Could the skeleton <laughs> crew be in there? Are they that big? Uh, it. If, as has been buzzed about the skeleton crew, it, it, the, 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 as so named, uh, are four scrappy teens who intersect with the Jude Law character. If the skeleton crew is these four teens, probably that's not them in the boxes. Uh, I'll, I'll say this as well. I saw something on social media. I don't know if it was in response to this week's episode, but it was like, you know, their their Dave and John are tasked again with needing to bend their knee towards trying, trying to explain things that happen in the sequels, you know, like uh, some people say the emperor is dead or, you know, references in uh, what was it? Kenobi to um, a cloning uh, operation. We've seen that in Mandalorian seasons as well. And it's like, hold on time out. There's the one star Wars timeline. Right. I mean, even in the animated stuff and all that, like they're Star Wars, uh, Star Trek, granted, too, you know, has its prime timeline. OK, there's also been the Kelvin timeline. There's been yesterday's Enterprise time. There's all that. Star Wars is just the one timeline. They would be foolish to not be writing towards an endpoint, even if it's not the Favreau Filoni leadership era endpoint. They're dealing at a point where all these things eventually happen. So if you know there's going to be a big, a, a big cloning operation uh with respect to palpatine you know in 25 years time of story and, and things of that sort why not populate it along because that's the universe that you're living in yeah and i have no problem if that's the case it, it also doesn't need to be the case there is both time and story space that this is something different and then it could also be something different that ultimately also leads to those things it can be both. And I don't understand why some people need to 
get into a tizzy about this, but I, I don't understand some people. Um, so what's in the boxes will remain that mystery for now. Matt, similarly, people have said that the mention of Anakin Skywalker terrified Grand Admiral Thrawn. And I am going to push back on this. Everything we see in the text shows us this character is not scared of Anakin Skywalker. He knows and knew Anakin Skywalker, and he said it. By extension, Ahsoka Tano, though I have never met you face to face, I know you. <clears throat> I beat you today, okay? So him getting back, people have posited, oh, he's going to find out that another Skywalker killed the Emperor. It'll be even more scarier. No, dude. Game on. I knew your daddy. Add to that, in the Thrawn novels, there's the, I believe it's heavy implication. I don't think it's outright stated. But let me be this way. I'm watching this season with it, it's the... In it's in this episode as well, Matt, that you don't become as terrible as he became. I'm not going to say he became Vader to you because listen, man, even though I speak with the soothing tones and everything like this, and I'm a total savage, there are lines you don't cross. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and certainly I'm coming with the, with the notion that Thrawn has, has has supposed that Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. He has I, completely unraveled it. He's he's told no one, okay? And he taunted Ahsoka Tano, who is the only other person who has material knowledge of this entity having changed Anakin to Darth Vader. Again, just a a, a solid a very solid ending here. I love that we get we get the notion of Shin's story continuing and Balin's story continuing. Um, I think there's a version of the story where maybe you don't see Ezra returning to the fleet. That's a great there, these are all great inclusions here. I know we're going to take kind of a season view uh, when we speak next Friday. Hashtag Force Friday, Pete. Um, <laughs> but. You know, so on the one hand, I don't necessarily want to sketch out every single possible story potential uh, ahead of that discussion. But any other thoughts here for where these characters could be headed, or or where you know what what the what the trajectory is now that we've seen an ending? So I mentioned the possibility of an Ezra show. We've we've had Ahsoka. Could we have Ezra? Okay, space for that. All right. Um, could uh, uh, Ezra be gathering a skeleton crew. <laughs> you know, it's funny. One week ago, we were talking about the easy, um, the the easy ability for these shows to cross over to one another. And here we were, by and large, wrong. But here it is. I think I I think it's possible. If if we work backwards from the Filoni movie, which. Somebody on Instagram, they, they had some video talking about how the Filoni movie is going to be coming out soon. So there's really, it's Mandalorian season four, then the Filoni movie. No one has said that. In fact, I believe no. that. And, the and that is not the case. We have been told yeah. it is years away. 
this same Instagram video talked about the decisions of the writers. And I'm like, hold on. It's one writer for this season. So, you know, using evidence to back up someone's argument, et cetera, et cetera. I will say this, though. If the Filoni movie, let's just pick a year, the Filoni movie in 2028, if that's, again, I'm making that date up. I'm not saying, don't don't come at me on Instagram saying you chose the wrong thing. Um, using that as a, as a back point, we're going to have to have our Star Avengers coalescing there, if not coalescing ahead of time. So, Again, though we kind though our biggest crossover here was Carson Teva for this season, it's only going to increase in future seasons. I mean, we saw it with Book of Boba Fett as well. Um, <laughs> there are whole episodes of Book of Boba Fett that say, you know, the return of the Mandalorian is a Mandalorian episode in the middle of the Book of Boba Fett. Um, could we see that in Skeleton Crew? I mean, I would certainly welcome it. I do think that where, and I apologies if people are getting sick of me continuing to say, Star Wars, Marvel, Star Wars, Marvel, but you have to sit in Lucasfilm HQ, you have to sit in uh, writing rooms for these shows and say, Marvel is the most successful thing out there in the last 15 years. What lessons do we learn from it? I think that... It's not as if you don't have John Favreau. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the grandfather of the, the secret scene, okay? Yeah. Didn't create it, but mastered it weaponized it in the most effective way okay did it first in both franchises all right did it in iron man did it at the end of season two of the mandalorian all right um and and don't forget his involvement in all of this yeah and and with all of that in mind i think that some of the um some of the inertia issues going on in the MCU right now, some of it is because they are sometimes stumbling over building that, building that narrative. And, you know, again, that was the slam against DC that they tried to build. They tried to build justice league in two movies and that sort of thing. But I think for star Wars, here's kind of my, my overall point here. Yes. Logically skeleton crew might be like, Oh man, Mr. Uh, Force power Jude law guy. If only there was somebody to teach us a lightsaber and you don't have those skills. And, well, I know somebody in the fleet. Boom, it's Ezra. Could that happen? Absolutely, 110%. I do think that there's a reluctancy in Star Wars as a property, in Lucasfilm leadership and however you want to put it. There's a little bit of a, of a reluctant nature to kind of hashtag it's all connected everything right away as soon as possible. Because at the end of the day, these four skeleton crew kids might be this generation's you know star wars rebels crew which itself was that generation's you know for i'm sure there's got to be fans out there where it's rebels are the top of mount olympus and right beneath that is luke leia han chewy etc right so kind of these these entry points for people of all ages particularly the young people that star wars was was always intended to be squarely for um that's somewhat in contrast to, again, what we nonetheless have seen, which is, you know, is there a skeleton crew called The Return of Ezra Bridger, a la the Boba Fett episode, The Return of the Mandalorian? All options are there, but don't get disappointed when it doesn't happen. Right. I really like the idea that they would seek him out to build a lightsaber now that Hu Yang is stuck uh, with Sabine and uh, Ahsoka. 
and you know the the touching nature of Ezra building his lightsaber as a tribute to Kanan, the same blade emitter. Remember, Kanan hid his identity uh, as a Jedi. The second part of that pilot, you know, puts the pieces together on the belt. That's a lightsaber. I'm going to let everybody in on the big secret now. It's awesome. Okay, to have Ezra, you know, make this now. Now you've given him another lightsaber that he's brought with him uh, back to the the prime galaxy, if you will, Matt. Um, and if only there was a connection to Kanan through Hera for him, right? In Jason, okay, for him to trade. Uh, he, he asked Hu Yang, hey, uh, you know, can you show me how to build a lightsaber? No. <laughs> <laughs> you think that Uncle Ezra's going to deny him? Of course he's not. Okay. They are laying. It's it's not years. This is decades of storytelling. They are they are laying out here. Yeah, particularly with, you know, through the lens of you know, with Book of Boba Fett and and a Mandalorian season 2. Uh, in reverse, Mandalorian season two, and then Book of Boba Fett. You know what did we get? We got Luke Skywalker, nineteen eighty-five, right? So there is that, there is that potential. And again, it's kind of it's with that mindset where the lack of Ahsoka will return in season two. Like we, it was kind of this, as I said before, it was this like oh duh moment where it's right. Star Wars always continues, and because Star Wars kind of effortlessly and without a lot of fanfare is dealing in what recently in two or three let's say oh well no let's say recently star wars has been in three different points in the timeline which is kind of the uh post republic you know kind of andor and uh obi-wan portion we have the post uh, forget the bad batch uh, yeah the, there as well um, we have the the new the early New Republic era Mandalorian verse Mando verse. We have yeah, the I Republic coming, the, you know, to live action. Right, we're gonna add that a, a, as well. Yeah. So, yeah, plenty of plenty of space here to just say there's always more Star Wars. And you know, unlike Marvel, with you know variants and everything like that, what Star Wars. I think smartly here has done, but then, you know, I have no problem admitting I'm a sucker for Star Wars, carved out all these different points on their timeline, as opposed to, you know, this universe and that universe, although we are talking about, you know, them going to a different galaxy where they've left several of these characters. I don't know how much they may do with ahsoka and sabine and their path now on peridia i mean matt there there's a version of the story going forward where grogu and mando you know go and pick them up and bring them back and then it's you know similar to sabine's training it's explained away in a couple lines throughout a season oh ahsoka was fearful she'd give in to hate that she couldn't 
stop her, that, you know, her, her family, her planet was wiped out and she didn't want to, you know, maybe push forward the errors in the teaching that ultimately led to the tremendous loss of her master, that she'd seen it happen to someone she's referred to as the greatest of them and that she didn't want that to happen again. Uh, and and somehow be involved in it. Um, it's tantalizing at this point what they could do with all this mystical force stuff. There's a read on this too that they're laying, you know, groundwork for this uh, other film. You know, we've we've touched on the Filoni movie, we've touched on the Ray movie. This other movie that uh, James Mangold is doing that's a prequel that establishes the beginning of the Jedi and the Force and all of that, maybe that takes place on Peridia. Maybe this is in this other galaxy. I mean, on the one hand, you think COVID notwithstanding, strikes notwithstanding, you think of the the intended time between uh ahsoka you know in the mandalorian uh i guess that was season two you know uh capturing morgan elsbeth where's your master where's grand admiral thrawn and then the time it took to get here again even you factor when you take away covid delay when you take away strike delay still they were prepared to make people wait two or three years like they used to do in the olden days um so i think similarly you could get that i would i would say if we see well, I would also say, you know, your story mileage may vary just because it took eight episodes to get Ezra and Thrawn back here, let alone the time they'd already spent there. Just because it took five or six episodes for our goodies to get to the other galaxy. That's not to say that you couldn't do a tight 20 minutes where all of a sudden Grogu steals. The minute that Grogu is leading... uh is leading a ship large enough to transport multiple people uh, leading somewhere. And look, he's pointing to this on the map or whatever. The minute Grogu takes over a ship in a way that makes story sense, uh, that's when he's going to go get uh, Ahsoka and Sabine, whether it's he's going to take a ship that's large enough and they're going to catch a ride on another space whale or whatever it is you could do in 20 minutes where he appears and Ahsoka says, Oh, so you heard me through the force and they get in that transport and they zip back. Like it is that easy to do. And you could, it could happen in part of an episode versus most of a season. I think you have to ratchet up the Thrawn side of the story that We've had senators, Matt, some of which will go unnamed, who have tried to hand wave away this imperial remnant, either through sympathy or just stupidity. Uh, and and now that ante's going to be upped. They're going to start to be united. Okay, the the real reunion, Thrawn and Pelion. That's coming, okay? Thrawn Pelion 24, everybody, okay? 24, 28, 32, to infinity. I just hope we get it sooner than not. Um, I know some shows, yeah. writing yeah. rooms open we, this week. We keep referencing Skeleton Crew. Yeah. Okay? Which is about kids. It's Star Wars Goonies. 
Star Wars, Stranger Things, okay, tapping into that. These kids that go out and have adventures in the galaxy, uh, you know, the metaphor of, of Star Tours jumps into my brain, okay, that they're going to brush up against these bigger things. They are not the Ezra's or even the the Jason Sindulas. They're really the every people, okay? And you know, how do we know it's not, oh my god, there's a there's a Grand Admiral Thrawn out there. Oh, oh my force. Uh if only that that Luke guy they they talk about, you know, like they could really be at the fringes of this larger story. And that could be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And hopefully that's a journey uh, that we are seeing in late 23, early 24, as certainly is indicated, I don't know, indicated by the document you found and just indicated by the general trajectory of things. What did our rebel friends have to say? Pete, we have a rebel, as we record today, October 7th, who tomorrow on October 8th is going to be running the Chicago Marathon. I'm talking about Carlo Marx on Twitter, at Carlo Marx 7 uh, Want to give him a shout-out. Want to wish him a great race. Uh, hopefully Absolutely. it is. Go get him. I don't know if Carlo's plans are to have Fantastic Geek popped in the old headphones uh, as as the run happens, but certainly best wishes there, and uh, you know, quite a quite a uh, a mountain to climb by way of doing any marathon, let alone the Chicago Marathon. So, uh, best wishes, Carlo Marx. I will never run a marathon. I respect it. I do not have it in me. And uh, yeah, do it for yourself, though, Carlo, and not for the Empire or Dathomir. To the rest of Twitter we go. We had a poll. Uh, what did you think of this episode? What's next for those who remain? Uh, the lowest rung, one star. No secret scene. That got 0%. Two stars. Why loose threads? Got 13%. Three stars. What's next? 17.4%. And then four stars. Magnificent. Got 69.6%. To some replies here on Twitter. James is sagacious. Big Killen on Twitter says, loved it even. The title was amazing. Great action. Even the stormtroopers were scary. The fight with Morgan was mesmerizing. The big moments landed. Lightsaber grabbed the force as we're going for the head. Sabine proclaiming her master is not alone. It felt like every master apprentice dysfunction from Yoda Do Dooku to Anakin Ahsoka was healed. Dathomir and Thrawn in the rise, Ezra possibly getting the New Republic up to speed, but no idea what's going on with Jedi versus not Jedi, definitely not Grey Jedi, sort of Sith Quartet. I still think Balin's calling is the bigger threat. One possible clue across the Mando TV universe is the ever-so-slight droid fierce, uh, bigotry slash fear, the Vong hatred in Legends, could they be spreading anti-droid sentiment with sleeper agents already? James wraps up by saying, was really expecting a post-credit scene. Do they have a plan for the next phase set in stone, or is it all up in the air? Pete, I'll direct that to you. Oh, they have a plan. Um, I think, obviously, the strikes really threw a wrench into that. Uh, the Mandalorian would have been filming this month um, had things not been affected. So 
you have to imagine that that's pushed to 24, right? That that's when they start filming. All right, see in 2025. We know we were on a path to get Andor, albeit earlier in the timeline and, and nearly completely unrelated other than the character of, of Mon Mothma uh, late in 24, you know, third quarter. All right, does that go back into, you know, the, the fourth quarter? We'll have to see. But there is skeleton crew that the story will somehow continue next year. Next up is Major Noel Gardner at Noel Camille. We're getting a season two, right? I loved how this season wrapped up but left so much on the table. Ahsoka and Sabine stranded but given time to train. Good observation there, Noel. Uh, Balin on the mountain of the Mortis gods. That story needs to continue. So sad we won't get more Ray Stevenson. Thrawn and the Night Sisters headed to Dathomir. I know it's 20 years later, but Cal Kestis could still be around. He has some experience there. Need a season two or two films to set up Thrawn being the menace and Ahsoka and Sabine's journey back. And in reply to that, Bob Keeley says, yes, the ending really gave me hope that the story would continue. There is no way they would have ended with Ahsoka and Sabine stranded there uh, if there was not a resolution coming. Uh, and continuing with Bob, he had replied to our tweet by saying, I've been on board since the first episode, and I'm very happy that they did not tie up all the loose ends in this season. I'm looking for season two or maybe the next show to pick up the thread. Ezra, Sabine, Hera, Thrawn, lots of great options. Next, we hear from, I'll always call it Twitter, uh, K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter. Love the episode overall. Not a fan of the ending with all those loose ends. I'm very confused, but the action and effects were top-notch as always. But after one struggling success in calling her lightsaber, Sabine and Ezra are okay with her pushing him that far. If there's not a second season, they need to wrap this stuff up elsewhere. Uh, wrap this stuff up somewhere else. Enjoy the season and hope there's more. Uh, next, we hear from Spider Ham Lincoln, who says this was a very fun ride. I'm sorry it's over for now what was great the episode title the sword fights the ezra hera chopper reunion the force ghost what was good sabine's force powers blooming undead troopers thrawns return to a galaxy far far away what was not so great the ambiguous ending will there be a season two will the story continue in a movie or another series or a book Understanding many aspects of the series requires a deeper knowledge of Clone Wars and Rebels, including the Mortis reveal and the appearance of the Morai, owl-like bird, makes it confusing for casual viewers. No Zeb and very little of Shin and Balin. What is sad, Ray Stevenson's passing, R.I.P. Uh, another tweet here, Pete, from Diana Bodenberg, who says, what a great season. Really enjoyed this episode and hope we get answers in, uh, in a second season. I feel like there's a there's a thread here, Pete. People want more Ahsoka. Um, Diana goes on to say, when I saw the Talzin sword, my wallet started crying. <laughs> Next, Haslab. I was a little nervous <laughs> for Ezra when Sabine said she could force push him into the Chimera after just using it for the first time five minutes ago. The fight with Ahsoka and Morgan was amazing. I could watch them battle all day. Never thought we'd get a Walking Dead Ahsoka crossover, but I'm here for it. Loved the last scene with Balin. Guess he was trying to find Mordor all along. But seriously, y'all, bringing the Mortis story into live action is going to be fire. I almost forgot Hu Yang pulling out in the midter just like Kanan's. I was freaking out. I can't wait for a possible season two or the Filoni movie to see how it all culminates. I hope George is proud of Dave. I think the student has surpassed the master. I mean, 
the whole show is about it. <laughs> the The whole show is about passing on knowledge, acknowledging the past, forging your own way, growing. It's a love letter to Star Wars before, now, and in the future. We hear from Ben Larson at Larson Ben. Loved the episode. It was Filoni at his best. Two things I'm thinking about going into the long wait for more story. Why didn't Hera immediately go to embrace Ezra when she saw him? She almost looked unhappy to see him. The final shot of their reunion was interesting. Two, a lot of examination of the master-apprentice relationship in the series. Anakin Ahsoka, Ahsoka Sabine, Kanan Ezra, and Balin Shin. Which makes me wonder, who was Balin's master? Who trained him? Uh, I wonder if we'll find out or not. I'm just curious. Uh, James Sagacia says, was he in the temple during uh, Order 66? I saw everything burn. Yeah, I, I think that he was. It would be interesting to to know if it was somebody that we knew. You know, we never saw Mace Windu have a, a apprentice. We never saw, you know, Kiati Mundi, some of the, you know, higher ups. That would be kind of cool. I mean, by extension, they're all students of the other masters anyway though right uh master yoda everybody calls him master yoda and some you know studied directly at his feet um the aspect about not rushing to hug ezra i i get it um you know people said the same why doesn't chewy embrace princess leia and you know i i know they They've kind of spoken on that and, you know, all right, mea culpa. I don't think she recognizes him at first. And I, I think emotionally what they were going for was the shock of him being back. Oh, my God, it's you, you're home. And we don't see, obviously, but hey, Ahsoka and Sabine with you? no. We don't see that. That's not what they're going for, because, again, that gets in in between what they're going for with this bittersweet ending. He got back. They leave us with the others who didn't. They leave the action there. They will get back eventually. It'll all get explained to one another. Um, but that's the choice they made. I'm fine with the choice that they made. Could it also be a very practical reason hey, Mary, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and bunch of extras, you're going to come in and shoot page 39 of the script on Monday in which you are told uh, someone so, gets off of a transport and you look surprised. Possible as well. It's you know, and hey, a week from now, Iman, we're going to get you to come on in and you're going to sit and, you know, uh, walk away from the LED wall where there's a shuttle projected and you're going to say, Hi, Hera, I'm home. Uh, and may maybe we'll let some uh, remote control nerds on the set to, you know, run a run a chopper robot on, on over to you. But, we're you know, we're keeping this yeah. on the down low that, that Ezra gets home. They're Boom, never the seen end. in the same shot. Yeah. So there's that as well. You know, the, the secretive nature of this. And again, you know, there are people out there like, why didn't um, Lucasfilm share two years in advance the design of this trooper so that I can hold a plastic version of it in my hands as I'm watching it. Um, secrecy, morons. Secrecy. <laughs> like, th there's a cost to that. Um, yeah, 
I'm okay with what they did, but I can understand how people are like, I wanted my Hera Ezra hug. Okay. Back to Twitter we go. We hear from Eric Pritchard at Coach underscore Pritch. Great episode. Why no 80s style cheesy crying running hug from Hera? Whoa, I I had not even looked. That that tweet was up and I had literally not even looked at it as we discussed that. Uh, Coach Pritch says, love the sword of Talzin and the fight. Hope Morgan isn't dead, dead. Thrawn's line. And she was great. And the, the evolution of that. And then you throw in that she's got her own not lightsaber lightsaber yeah uh coach says thrawn's line concerning the apprentice of anakin skywalker was gold thanks for the fantastic coverage need to see skull's journey hashtag r.i.p ray hashtag recast that's of course r-a-y ray stevenson last tweet pete from drive-by wrestling pod that's at drive-by pod Fantastic episode, amazing season. I've never been so satisfied yet hungry at the same time. I mean, they had a literal cliff at the end. Well done. Uh, Ahsoka is where she's meant to be for her story to continue, and I can't wait to watch it unfold. Also, we got zombie stormtroopers. Yep. You can't can't leave that out. And, you know, the, the great mothers now are in that prime galaxy so that's a thing there i mean maybe the skeleton crew kids are are chased away from their homes by zombie stormtroopers who who knows okay or zombie stormtroopers you're you're making that up that doesn't they don't exist you know there, there are places to go have fun with this um the universe is richer now for having that to the email inbox we go here from Steve Adams, who says, First, I love the way this episode's title riffed on the classic C.S. Lewis story. It was a fun reference, and I enjoy seeing things like that. This was not the finale I expected or wanted. We learned next to nothing about what Balin Skull was hoping to achieve, other than finding the Daphimiri version of the Argonoth. We never got a full reunion of the Ghost crew. We never even saw Zeb. It certainly seems like a second season is in order, but I didn't see any announcement of that. And worst of all, Ahsoka and Sabine get left behind. Maybe I missed something, but I can't see where the story goes from here for them. Please don't think I was totally down on this episode. The fight scenes were great. Sabine's arc felt natural. Ezra was always the one person who could disrupt Thrawn and his uh, precise nature. And he made it home to lead the fight against Thrawn. The resistance, if you will. Uh, But there are so many questions left to us. We have no idea where or when we will ever get answers. Always leave them wanting more, as they say. And I want more. Until next time, stay fantastic. That from Steve. Just occurred to me that now in Ezra, they have proof of Thrawn. And while they can't produce Thrawn to the Galactic Senate and say he's back, if they can produce the guy who left with him and and he can say, look, he's out there. Um, I, I don't know that it's going to be guns blazing Thrawn immediately causing trouble. He's far more strategic than that. He's far more nuanced as a character. I, I think it's going to be hit and run style stuff. And then what I'm really hoping for too is infighting amongst the Imperial warlords, particularly that we've still got a, a non-clone Gideon out there and that Thrawn knows he smack talked them. And nobody kills Gideon, the real Gideon, except Grand Admiral Thrawn. 
Last email comes from Jack, who says, Hi, Matt and Pete. Best episode of the series, Thrawn 1. Dave Filoni intentionally made it seem like Thrawn was a bit cowardly in his retreat in Episode 7, just to show us that he needed that quick retreat as he barely escaped Peridia as Ahsoka almost caught him. But no ending for Balin Scroll. Will Ray Stevenson's sudden passing uh, be addressed? How will they deal with that for Season 2? Stay fantastic. That's from Jack in NYC. Uh, and Pete, it occurs to me, I mean, look, obviously it's tough. I, I don't think that they're holding off on a season two announcement solely because of Ray Stevenson, but if you're able to hold off and if you're able to hold off and say, and actor so-and-so will be assuming the role now that we've lost Ray, who was Ray Stevenson, who was part of our family, well, you're not going to do that during a strike. So maybe it's all just, and, and I, as with our Jonathan Majors discussion on the Loki preview uh, earlier this week, I don't mean to turn real-life negative issues into mere PR fodder, but PR people do that, and maybe maybe now is not the right time to announce anything about where the story continues. You don't need to. Yeah. Let, let people. There are people who still haven't watched it. Let people take it in, you know, down the road when we need to. I mean... Surely there'll be a Star Wars celebration in 2024, right? By then, Skeleton Crew will have aired, all right? Hopefully, the strike will be resolved, and they'll be making Mandalorian uh, Season 4. But they'll announce what's going to happen next and, and when to find that out, when to see it then. Pete, you're acting like you don't know by heart that the next Star Wars celebration is <laughs> April 18th through 20th, 2025 in Makuhari, Mesa, Japan. We all just know this, Pete. Come on. Where is it? Uh, in Japan. Maku Hari okay. Messi Japan. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I don't know the date. I could have told you the month. Um, it's in the Chiba Prefecture, Pete. Come on. Everybody knows Chiba Prefecture. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I'll be up super early or late to watch what they stream from it uh pete this journey of course is not over for us looking forward this upcoming force friday to have our ahsoka season one retrospective so certainly looking forward to one more discussion uh at least in this calendar year for the galaxy far far away and uh this entire journey could not have been made possible without those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek 100 percent everybody who goes to patreon.com slash fantastic geek gets access to all sorts of content uh it takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door can't contribute right now get yourself over to apple podcast and you can leave us a rating or a review that helps us equally uh, indeed, Pete, and let's keep the entire conversation going. How can people be in touch with you on social media? You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Threads and on Blue Sky Social at Peter P I E T E R J K L A R K E T E L A A R. Twelve thousand six hundred fifty some odd followers. Can't be wrong. Uh, and while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, and threads where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. 
We are back tomorrow, Star Trek Sunday for Lower Decks. We are back on Marvel Monday for Loki episode 201. And then one more time, at least on this feed, a reminder, Ahsoka, our season wrap on Force Friday, and then Marvel moving to Marvel Saturdays, which maybe we'll call the Marvel Studios Saturdays to keep the alliteration going. <laughs> uh, and Star Trek Sundays remaining at that spot for the rest of the Lower Deck season. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Train your mind, train your body, trust in the force.